0: If you would join me in your copy of God's Word uh, in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 22 through 35 will be our, uh, our focal text this morning. Uh, we are uh, now in the, the last week of our Christmas characters series, and uh, we're looking at the fourth of these uh, characters that we're considering uh, this Christmas season. We saw first Joseph, then Herod. Uh, last week we saw the Magi, and this week we're going to look at the character of Simeon. The character of Simeon, this older gentleman in Jerusalem who meets and blesses uh, the infant Jesus along with his parents as they arrive in the temple. Now, as I begin, I have a confession to make that I have a total inability to receive compliments. I am the worst compliment receiver ever. At several points in my life, people have had to correct and to rebuke me saying, Stephen, just say thank you. In fact, this happened last Monday. I don't even remember what it was about, but we were eating lunch together as a staff and Corey said something to me. I don't even remember what it was, man, but he complimented me on something and I spent the next five minutes explaining why he really shouldn't compliment me for that because it's not a big deal and et cetera, et cetera. And he said, Stephen, what's wrong with you? I'm just trying to compliment you. Just say thank you. Even worse, I'm bad at receiving physical gifts. Uh, I think the hardest session of mine and Nikki's premarital counseling was when we sat down with the couple that was counseling us and we were talking about gift registries. I absolutely hated registering for wedding gifts. Not because I don't like stuff. I mean, I like stuff as much as any other materialistic westerner. But I struggle really hard with telling people stuff that I want, walking through Bed Bath and Beyond or Target with that little scanner thing and scanning all the things. I'm thinking about prices and how much people are going to pay for that gift and do I really need it? And, and I, don't, I don't want people to give me stuff. And uh, Shane, our, our very good friend who married us, and he and his wife, Mela who did our counseling, he said, Stephen, what's wrong with you? People just want to bless you. They, 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 they want to, to give you something as you start your life together. Let them bless you. Receive the gift. Say thank you. Scan all those expensive things. I'm terrible at receiving compliments. I'm even worse at receiving gifts. The truth is, though, I'm not the only one with this problem. All of us struggle in different ways with receiving good things. All of us struggle in different ways with receiving good things. Probably not all of you are are as severely uh, deficient at this as I am, but, but I'm sure you struggle to receive good things in one way or another. But that does not mean that we should continue in life rejecting good things or trying to explain them away as though we don't deserve them or they should go to somebody else or whatever the case may be. At Christmas, friends, we are reminded that Jesus is the greatest good thing ever given by God. And that we need to receive him rightly. Simeon, the fourth of our Christmas characters, and this is our main idea that comes from our text this morning. Simeon shows us how to receive Jesus. Simeon shows us how to welcome Jesus into our life as a gift of God. And so, as we see this played out in Scripture, I hope that we would come to embrace Jesus as Savior of the world with worship and with joy for who he is, but especially in his death for sins and in his resurrection, for salvation for all who trust in him. Let us see how Simeon shows us how to receive Jesus as we read God's word. Would you stand with me as you're comfortably able? As we read Luke 2, verses 22 through 35. The gospel writer Luke, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, speaking here of uh, the young family, Mary especially, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. "...waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed." And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Simeon shows us how to receive Jesus. Let's discover a little bit about this man. Let us ask first, who is Simeon? What are the, some of the historical facts that we can know about this man? Most of these facts come to us in verses 25 and 26. Uh, As we come upon this text, we find that uh, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to Jerusalem to uh, present him in the temple as every firstborn child was supposed to do. Jesus was at this time about 40, 41 days old. He would have been circumcised at eight days and then 33 days following uh, uh, would have completed the time of purification for Mary uh, according to the law. And so they were coming to offer a sacrifice for her cleansing and of thanksgiving to God for for the uh, for the child uh, Jesus that was born, it's interesting to note that Mary and Joseph bring two turtle doves as an offering. But if we go back to Leviticus and we look at the law co- or the code for how we uh, they are to how, how uh, Jerusalemites or Hebrews Israelites are to redeem their firstborn, they're to offer uh, a turtle dove and also a lamb, a pigeon and a lamb as a sin offering. But here, uh, Mary and Joseph offer only two pigeons. Well, there's provision in the law for those who cannot afford a lamb that they can bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, which indicates to us that Mary and Joseph are rather poor. They have probably not yet been visited by those magi and received those luxurious gifts that were given to them by those men. But there in the temple they come upon, there in the temple court, this man Simeon. Who is he? Well, we learn that Simeon is a Jerusalemite. He's from Jerusalem. And that's almost as specific a thing as we can say about Simeon at this point. He's in the temple. Uh, The text tells us that he's righteous and devout. But there's nothing in Luke's gospel to indicate to us that he's anything more than a common Israelite. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He's not a Pharisee. He's not a scribe. Insofar as we know, he's just a common person, common like Joseph, common like Mary, common like those shepherds that visited the young family on the Night of Christ's birth. The number of relatively normal, unassuming, average people that are involved in the advent and the birth of Jesus is absolutely stunning to me. It is no coincidence, I don't believe, that the only person of power and status that is mentioned in all of the narrative of Christ's birth, either in Matthew or in Luke, the only person of power and status present, Herod, responds to the birth of Jesus with fear and terrorism. Everyone else is average, and everyone else usually comes to Jesus with rejoicing. It is noteworthy that even the advent of the Son of God is to those who are of mean estate, those who don't have much, Mary and Joseph are poor poor enough that they have to offer two turtle doves instead of a, a pigeon and a lamb for the cleansing and sacrifice for jesus on his 40th day the shepherds who were not usually very highly regarded among people in israel they're work a day blue collar people simeon in this instance anna who follows him later in luke two thirty six and following all of these are average normal people Dear friend, so are you. I don't know too many of us who in our church who are are persons of power or great status. Jesus comes to normal, average people. He comes to the great also. But we find that those who receive him best are usually those who need the most from him or recognize their need the most from him. Simeon is a Jerusalemite. He's a regular guy living in Jerusalem. We learn also from Luke that Simeon is a righteous and a devout man. That word righteous is the same word that was used of Joseph in Matthew's gospel. It means he's blameless. It doesn't mean he's sinless. But he lives his life with regular regard to the law of God. In all that he does and in all that he thinks, he is pursuing personal holiness and pursuing a life that is pleasing to God. He wants to live according to the law of God, not because the law makes him righteous, not because following the law makes him holy, but because living his life under the law, according to the law of God, shows his devotion to be made in character, matching to God. He's also a devout man. He was devoted to the worship of the one true God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. He revered the Lord. He was watchfully vigilant to keep God's law in all that he did. He really cared about his relationship with the Lord. He really cared about his worship of God. Simeon here stands for us as a good example of one who loves the Lord with all his heart, soul, and strength. As all the people of Israel were commanded by Uh, by the Lord through Moses in Deuteronomy 6. He's a Jerusalemite. He's a regular guy. He's devout and, and righteous. And we learn also that Simeon has been waiting. He's been waiting. Specifically, Luke tells us that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the comfort of Israel, for the promise of God to care for his people in the way that they needed God's care most. How long had Simeon been waiting? We don't really know. Luke doesn't tell us. But I think by the way that Luke presents Simeon here in the text, I think it's safe for us to assume that Simeon had been waiting a long time. He's probably an elderly man at this point. I won't hazard a guess because to say what's elderly might get me in trouble in some circles. But Simeon may have been waiting a long time perhaps several decades for the consolation of Israel to come. And he's also had this promise from God through the Holy Spirit that, Simeon, you won't die. Your, your life will not leave you until you have seen the Lord's Christ. Imagine living with multiple decades with the hope of that promise just out in front of you, not seeing fulfillment of it year after year after year. We don't know how long Simeon had been waiting, but he's been waiting faithfully this entire time. He's waiting specifically for the consolation, for the comfort of his people. There's a heavy allusion, a heavy reference here to the promise of comfort for the people of Israel from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, you'll see this, the, these verses on the screen behind me. God says through his prophet Isaiah, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Comfort, comfort my people. The Lord is coming, his prophet Isaiah said centuries before. Simeon was a man steeped in the word of God. You know what it is to be steeped? It's what you do with a tea bag when you're making tea. You take a tea bag and you drop it in a cup of boiling water. You pour your boiling water over it and you let it sit for a while so that all the water... Right, becomes, takes on the flavor of that tea, takes on all the characteristics of the, the tea leaves, of the herbs that are in that bag. Simeon is a man steeped in the law of God. He, like boiling water, has, has, has put the law of God in his life so deeply that all of who he is and all that he thinks about takes on the characteristics of God's law, including all of the hope for the promise of the consolation of the comfort of Israel that he had promised in Isaiah. He's a man steeped in the word of God who understood the promise of a coming Savior who would bring comfort and salvation to God's people. And he's been waiting. We learn finally from Luke that Simeon was a man driven by the Holy Spirit. Luke refers more to the work of the Holy Spirit in his gospel and in his second uh, compendium uh, uh, volume, uh, the book of Acts. He speaks more of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit than any other gospel writer or biblical author after that. Already in Luke's gospel, if you go back and read through chapters 1 and 2, you'll see the Holy Spirit has already filled the parents of uh, who would be John the baptizer, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And now we meet this man, Simeon, who has had the Holy Spirit upon him, driving and guiding him for some time, for several decades. Further still, we're told that Simeon had received affirmation from the Holy Spirit, a word from the Lord through the Holy Spirit, that he would not die until he had seen what he was waiting for, until he'd seen the consolation of Israel, the comfort of God's people, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed, the Messiah that was promised so many centuries before. Simeon was not going to die until he had seen with his own eyes the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel and the nations in the flesh. That's what we can say about who, generally, Simeon is. He's an average guy, righteous and devout, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise, driven by the Holy Spirit. But what is Simeon like? Or for our purposes today, why is, why is Simeon memorable? Why does he stand out in the Christmas story? Well, first, from verse 28, we see that Simeon receives Christ gladly and immediately. He receives the infant Jesus gladly and immediately. Verse twenty-eight 27-28, He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. I hope you see, as I do, the joy and the urgency that is present in Simeon when he sees the infant Jesus. As soon as he spies the young family entering the temple court there, the Holy Spirit speaks to his heart. Simeon, there he is. And the man takes the baby in his arms with joy and blesses God. He sings a a song of blessing to God. How did this play out? I don't know. Did Simeon run to the couple, couple as they walked in, dancing as he went? Did he slowly approach with a delightful twinkle of hope in his eye? Did he shout with gladness when he saw them? Hallelujah! Did he softly ask the new Mother Mary, Miss May I? In truth, none of this really matters nearly as much as the way that Simeon receives Christ. Not into his arms necessarily, but into his heart, into his soul, into the world as the Savior that has come. Simeon receives Christ gladly and immediately. And as verses 29 through 32 show us the the song of Simeon, that Simeon worships God for his faithfulness. This is the kind of man that Simeon is. He's the kind of guy who worships God for his faithfulness. The song that Simeon sings here, and and as you see it in your text, it's uh, the Verses 29 through 32 are probably set there in kind of a a poetic alignment. They're different from the rest of the paragraph structure of the text. It's meant to be read like a song, read like a Hebrew poem. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Glory for your people, Israel. The song of Simeon is a song of thanksgiving to God who has made good on his promise to this old man. Lord, he says, take me now, if you like. You've kept your word to me. I've seen your salvation, the thing that you promised to me, the salvation that you promised not just to me, but to all your people, to show to the whole world a light, not just for Israel, but a light for everyone, and for glory for your people. Simeon's song here in these verses is full of, of multiple references, multiple callbacks to God's Word in Scripture. He says, My eyes have seen your salvation. Calling back to the prophet Isaiah 52, verse 10, where Isaiah says, The Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon says, your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Recalling Psalm 98, verse 2, where the psalmist says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed the righteous, his righteousness in the sight of the nations, in the sight of the peoples, of the Gentiles. I've seen your salvation. You prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for the Gentiles, a light for those who are not part of Israel, and glory for your people. Referring to Isaiah 49, verse 6, where there the prophet says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This man, steeped in the word of God, can't but sing Scripture back in thanksgiving to God for the fulfillment of his promise. Simeon's worship is is just ever so evident and that the word of God has been his absolute delight in life. And now that word, the promised word of God, has taken on flesh in the person of Jesus, the Lord's Christ, now he's holding the fulfillment of that promise in his arms. Can you imagine? We see here that Mary and Joseph, in verse 33, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. This is not to imply, though, that Mary and Joseph were surprised in the moment. Like, oh my goodness, we never knew Jesus was going to be so special. They've already been visited by by angels, each of them. They've already had specific and personal revelation from God about who Jesus would be. When Simeon shows up and blesses God in their presence, they're they're, they're not standing there shocked like this is the first time they've ever heard anything about their son. Instead, their marvel is more like, oh my goodness, God has been working. This is amazing. God has been working in the lives of total strangers. Miles and miles and miles from the place that we call home. Engendering hope and expectation of the fulfillment of His promises. And God's been revealing this to other people and not not just to us. We're not in this by ourselves. God's doing a a real work among all of his people. They marvel at what Simeon says because it's so unexpected and yet it's so consistent with what they have heard from God themselves. Simeon is a man who receives Christ gladly and immediately. He worships God for his faithfulness. And as verses 34 and 35 show us, he looks forward to the purchase of redemption. He looks forward to what Christ will do to purchase the salvation that God has promised through him. Simeon knows that Christ will not be received by everyone, but that he'll be rejected by many as a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. He knows that the person of Jesus will offend and humiliate the proud and the self-righteous and that he will lift the poor and the oppressed to a place of spiritual exaltation. He says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, the fall of the proud, the rising of the humble, and for a sign that is opposed. People are not going to like this man. A sword will also pierce through your own soul, he says to Mary so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon is acquainted, it seems, with the promise of Isaiah 53, of a servant of God who suffers for the sins of the people. And knowing that, he recognizes that Mary's own soul is the mother of the Son of God. Her own soul will be pierced with pain, pierced with the grief, pierced with the sword of sorrow as she witnesses her son give his life for the sins of the world. Simeon, looking forward to the purchase of redemption, knows further that the person of Jesus will reveal the secret thoughts of the hearts of many. It is interesting, we find several places in all of the Gospels, Jesus himself perceiving the hearts of those who either silently trust him or silently hate him. He, he knows the faith that lies in the heart of that Syrophoenician woman who comes to him for grace... He he admires her faith even though she hasn't said anything out loud. He knows all the questions and all of the doubt and all of the hateful attacks that lie in the hearts of the Pharisees who are constantly trying to trip him up in his words. Jesus knows the secret thoughts of the hearts of every person that he comes into contact with in his life. But Simeon recognizes that Jesus will not just know these things about people, but that he'll also bring them up to the surface. Jesus will reveal the hearts of of many. Jesus brings to the surface what people believe about him, just simply at the mention of his name, at his presence among any. The birth of Jesus is relatively inoffensive. Everybody loves a baby. The death of Jesus for sins, his resurrection from the dead, The call to place your faith in Him alone for forgiveness of sin, abundant life now, eternal life in the resurrection. To say that there is no way to know God in truth and to be in right relationship with Him apart from faith and trust in Jesus is very offensive. It's scandalous. It is to say, friend, you are not the master of your own life, you are not the king or the queen or the setter of your own destiny but that Jesus is. Simeon knows that the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, not just Jesus the teacher, not just Jesus the baby, but Jesus the Christ, crucified for sins and resurrected again, will reveal the secret thoughts of many. It's the teaching, it's the death, it's the resurrection of Jesus that brings to the surface what people really think of him. It's relatively easy in our, our culture to say, I'm a Christian or I believe in God. It's fairly easy to do that. There's, there's kind of a cultural base, if you will, that makes it more or less inoffensive to do that. It's, it's fairly inoffensive to go to church at Christmas time. It's a lot harder to say publicly in a crowd of mixed company, Jesus is my Lord and King. My life is his. I've, prior to knowing him, lived my life in in sin and disobedience to him. Contrary to all that God and his holiness is. And I came to a point where I realized that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That, That not only do I not want to be a sinner anymore, but I also want to be right with God who made me. And I found in God's Word that the only way to be right with Him is not by being a better version of myself, is not by trying harder, is not by doing more good things, but the only way to be right with God is by trusting His Son, Jesus, who was born a man but who also died on the cross for my sins and who didn't stay dead but who rose in victory over sin and death. My life is His. I follow Him wholeheartedly. That's a lot harder to say in a crowd of mixed company. Because Jesus reveals the thoughts, the secret thoughts of many. And at the mention of his name, his presence in a crowd draws all of that to the surface. And this specifically, the fact that Jesus, the one is going to die for sins, that, his, that the comfort for the people of Israel that Simeon has been waiting for, will only be purchased as Christ dies and is raised again. Simeon is a man who looks forward to the purchase of Of redemption. Not just the birth of this baby, but the death and resurrection of the man this baby will grow into. Simeon shows us how to receive Jesus. What is Simeon's life? What is his response to receiving Jesus here in Luke 2 have for us? How how does his example lead? How does it guide us? How does God's Word shape what we do with Jesus this Christmas season? Well, first, for everyone, Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus, who is God's salvation, and bless the Lord for his redemption. Do you want to receive Jesus rightly? Do you want to to model your reception of Jesus after Simeon's reception? Well, then worship him. Worship him. Him who is the salvation of God in flesh, and bless the Lord for fulfilling his promise to redeem you from sin. Friends, the point of Christmas is not to coo at and fawn over a baby, as much fun as that is. The birth of Jesus was the beginning of the incarnation of the eternal Son of God. He was born to live a life that was free of sin. A life full of joyful obedience to God the Father. A life driven by the Holy Spirit. He was born that he might live to proclaim the arrival of the kingdom of God into the hearts of all who believe. He was born to declare repentance for the forgiveness of sins and then to die as a substitute for the sins that we have committed. He was born to die, to be raised in victory over death and to bring all who worship him as God, to bring all who submit to him as king, to bring all who trust in him as Lord, to be translated from darkness to light, to be transferred from death to life. His birth is the beginning of a life that restores the purpose for our own lives. So do not let your heart and your mind stop at the thought of beautiful baby Jesus. But at Christmas, go all the way to the ugliness of your sin and the fullness of the wrath of God against our sin, taken by Jesus on the cross. Don't stop at the manger. Don't stop in the temple. Don't stop in the house with the magi. Go all the way to the very visceral, ugly, violent picture of the cross because that is where Jesus' life is going and taking us. But friend, don't stop there either. Don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the death of Christ. Dear one, go further. Get to the third day when Christ rose bodily from the grave, rose physically from the grave to give new life in Him to all who call on Him as Lord. At Christmas, don't stop at the manger. Don't stop at the house with the Magi. Don't stop in the temple with with Simeon. Don't even stop at the cross, but get all the way to the resurrection because it's only in Christ's resurrection from the dead that the whole promise of comfort for the people of Israel, and not just them, but for all the Gentiles, for every person of every tribe, nation, and tongue is fulfilled. Worship Jesus. Receive him as God's salvation manifest to the world. And bless the Lord for the fulfillment of the promise of rescue that he brings. That's the right way to receive Jesus. Second, like Simeon, if you are one who has come to trust in Jesus as Lord, who died for your sins, who rose from the grave, whose whose message of the kingdom of God come to earth is transforming every area of your life, then doggedly follow the Holy Spirit who is the gift of Jesus to those who believe. Simeon is a man whose, whose whole life is led, is guided, is directed by the Holy Spirit. It is so interesting to me to see that even before the Holy Spirit had been given to all believers after Christ's resurrection, that doesn't happen until Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was already upon Simeon. And this Simeon would not let go from following the leadership of the Spirit. He immersed his life and his prayer in the Spirit-inspired scriptures. It comes out in everything that he says. He he can't stop but speaking about the scriptures and the fulfillment of them in Jesus. This Simeon sought out the Spirit-promised Messiah. He followed the Spirit's pointing to the fulfillment of those promises as a young Galilean family walked into the temple court that day. Simeon's whole life is driven by the Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit of God in every way. And this man did not even have the fullness of the promise of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him as every confessing Christian does today. Simeon had but a shadow, but a fraction of the blessing that every Christian has of the Holy Spirit living in their hearts today. And his whole life, his whole life was given to doggedly following. You know what that means? that word dogged? That means like a dog. Right? If you, ha- you have a dog like mine, a loyal, trusted, loving dog like Barnabas, dumb as a box of rocks, but will love you long, long after you're dead, who will follow me all around the house. If I go to the bathroom, he goes with me to the bathroom. That sounds weird. Put that in a different context in your mind. If I go to the garage, he follows me to the garage. If I stand up from the couch, Barney stands up. He wants to know where we're going. He follows everything that I do. Simeon is a man who doggedly followed the Holy Spirit. He senses the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Where are you going? Show me. Open my eyes. Speak to me. Where are we, what are we doing? Here I am. Here I am. Holy Spirit of God, where are we going? I'm ready. Take me wherever you want to go. His life was driven by the Spirit, led by the Spirit in every way. And this man did not even have the, the fullness of the promise of the Holy Spirit like we do as Christians trusting in Christ today. As great as the Spirit's presence was in Simeon's life, The presence of the Spirit in Simeon's life pales in comparison to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you today, Christian. Understand that. Know that today. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, if your life is given in devotion to Him, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Not just the Holy Spirit on you, guiding you for a season, but in you, changing you from the inside out. Dear brothers and sisters, do not despise the gift of the person of God's own spirit who dwells in you. He is the gift of Christ himself. Jesus, the Son, is the gift of God to the world for the salvation of many. And the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Son and the Father together to all who believe. The Holy Spirit is the gift of Christ himself to convict you of sin, to strengthen you for repentance, to give you wisdom when you ask for it. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to everyone who trusts Jesus as Lord, to illumine your understanding of God's word, to give you faith when you falter, to embolden you for gospel witness. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to seal your soul as a guarantee of God's promise of resurrection for you in the manner of Jesus. So follow Him doggedly. Seek the Holy Spirit through prayer. Ask Him to make your Bible reading fruitful and life-giving. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading to love others toward Jesus. A gift that is left wrapped under a tree at Christmas is a gift that is ultimately unreceived. A gift that is rejected. A gift that is unused. A gift that is unenjoyed. Christian, You who trust Jesus, you have turned from sin and placed faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to you if Christ is your Lord. So do not leave the Holy Spirit wrapped up. Do not leave him unconsulted. Do not leave him unfollowed and unenjoyed, but instead embrace him as God in you. Follow him toward holiness. Depend on him to fill every crevice of your heart with the effects of the good news of Jesus Christ. Doggedly follow the Holy Spirit, who is the promise of God for all who believe. Worship Jesus, who is the salvation of God. Bless the Lord for fulfilling his promise. Simeon shows us how to receive Jesus, doesn't he? With worship. Worship and by leadership of the Holy Spirit. So then, my friends, brothers and sisters, worship Jesus as Simeon did today. Receive Jesus with gladness as Lord and Christ. Receive Jesus who is the fullness of God's salvation. And Furthermore, give yourself to the leading and the holy influence of the Holy Spirit. Follow him doggedly. Be always ready to go where he calls. Be always dependent on his help in reading and understanding the scriptures. Be always receiving of his equipping and enabling to make disciples and declare the gospel. Friend, this morning as you see Simeon's example of receiving Jesus as a fulfillment of all that God had promised and you are realizing in your heart you've never received Jesus this way perhaps Jesus has always been for you a fixture in a nativity scene on a front lawn or maybe on a coffee table in your home but you've never seen or followed or worshiped to Jesus all the way to the cross where he died for your sins and to the empty tomb on the third day where he rose bodily to give you the promise of resurrection of right relationship with God. Friend, if you need to worship Jesus rightly today by receiving Him as Lord and Savior, I invite you to do so. As we dismiss, I'll, I'll be standing out, outside to, to greet you as we go. Please don't hesitate. Please be bold to uh, grab me, pull me aside. Let me know of your need to follow Jesus this way, to worship Jesus this way, of your desire to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God who is given to all who trust in Christ as Lord. But whatever you do, And wherever you are in life, receive Jesus rightly today. Receive him as Simeon did. Follow Simeon's example. Worship Jesus. Bless the Lord. Follow the Holy Spirit whom he gives you as his very specific and divine gift. Let's pray together.